Hello, this is Pastor Luke, and you are listening to the Henderson MB Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon. Our mission is to grow disciples and multiply churches who will glorify God and transform communities. For more information on our church, visit hendersonmbchurch.com. You know, as, as many of you know, I, I worked with short-term missions prior to coming to the, coming here, and um, we were part of something called the GDT Alliance, Global Disciples Training Alliance, uh, and it was a really neat deal. Um, it was uh, kind of mission discipleship training programs uh, from all over the world that entered into kind of an alliance or a partnership, and we would just learn from one another. And so there would be like, you know, regional meetings where all the North American groups would get together, or all the Africans or Indians or Asian groups would get together and that kind of thing and then every so often there'd be kind of a, a world gathering someplace and those were always kind of fun because you're I mean you're in the same profession and yet just such totally different context and just uh, hearing from others how they did their work and, and what that looked like and um, uh, I remember uh, one gentleman or, or at least there was a guy there from from Ethiopia and um, so for a while Ethiopia um, you know, it was illegal to be a Christian, they, they, or, or, you know, you couldn't gather, that kind of thing. And uh, so for a while, the church had gone underground, and so this guy, this gentleman, was reflecting on that. And so, you know, you can't meet on Sundays, but what they would do is that on Friday nights, they would gather in small groups in their homes for tea, okay? This was a cultural thing, let's meet and tea, you know, it, it's, it's a very social thing. But what they would do is that uh, they would do a prayer meeting all Friday night, I mean, and, and that was church. And so, and I don't know if, like, all night was full-on, like, college all-nighter where you're going to 6 a.m. and just chugging Red Bull and caffeine the whole time or, or just their tea because it's low with caffeine or just midnight or I, I'm not sure how they would define all night. But this, this is what they would do. And it was, and the church actually grew during that time. And then when that persecution lifted, I mean, the church just exploded in, in Ethiopia. And uh, this, this gentleman was recounting one time um, he was outside. He was basically, uh, you know, to, to keep a lookout because this was an illegal function, what, what they were doing. Uh, and inside they were praying, but it was getting pretty animated. And a, uh, a soldier or, or a police officer stopped by and was like, well, what's all the racket? What's going on inside? And you can't just say, oh, we're having an illegal prayer meeting. Would you like to join us? Right? That doesn't work. And so he was like, well, some of my brothers have fallen out of favor with their dad and they're sorting things out. <laughs> and that worked. And the guy, you know, the, the guy moved on and, and they continued their, their all-night prayer meeting. But uh, that story has always stuck with me. It's just such a remarkable story of prayer and the power of prayer and even just, I mean, how their church continued to grow uh, in that environment and then just really exploded after that. Those limitations were lifted. Um, we're in a sermon series called uh, We Are Acts 29. So the book of Acts has 28 chapters, and the book of Acts really talks about those first kind of few years of the church, of the early church. There's a lot of stuff in there on the Holy Spirit. You see the very first thing that happens is that they were told to wait for the Holy Spirit. So they wait for the Holy Spirit, um, and then at, at Pentecost, the, the Holy Spirit really shows up in force, uh, and then we just watch the church grow and expand in those first formative years. And so uh, Acts, the book of Acts has 28 chapters, and so in many ways we are living out the 29th chapter. And so that's why we're calling this We Are Acts 29. And 
especially just for us as a church as we're continuing in, in the rebranding process and as we're shifting away from the kind of branding and calling ourselves uh, Henderson Mennonite Brethren Church and shifting to Living Hope Church to just go back to some of the basics on what does it mean to be a church? What does that, that look like? Like what are kind of the core components of that? Uh, so a couple of weeks ago we looked at... Um, uh, Peter and John, they're going to the temple. Uh, it is the busiest time of the day. Uh, it's the busiest gate. There, there is a cripple there who they have... I, I mean, it's, it's possible that they have walked past the same dude for, for decades, really. Um, we don't know how, you know, he would get dropped off at this gate during the busy time, and this was part of their tradition to go to the temple for prayer time. I mean, it, it could have easily been years and decades that they walked past this guy, but... Uh, on that particular day, something was different. Both Peter and John sensed it. Um, and, you, you know, you kind of have that famous uh, a line, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. Uh, he is healed. He stands up. He's obviously pretty excited. He's bouncing around. People are swarming in from, from all over to come and look at this. Uh, it's very dramatic, very public. Um, Peter, once again, gives up and kind of gives a... a sermon to the whole crowd and it's basically this is all because of jesus and y'all need to repent i mean that's kind of his two-point sermon and uh in the in in later on or in the right away in chapter four uh, and we're skipping this part but we see that they get arrested and so where we're picking up the story though is um uh is acts chapter four verse uh, uh 23 where, where we will continue on. And um, I'm going to read this, this section to you. Uh, so Peter and John were arrested. They spend the night in jail. Um, the, the, the leaders of uh, that era tell them, you know, just go home and, and don't talk anymore. And, yeah, and so uh, that picks us up in chapter 4, verse 23. So when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, and then they, they have a quote here, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For this for truly, in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan have predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed, through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So that was their prayer. And then it, it concludes, verse 31, And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were, filled, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. A lot of, lot of stuff in there. Uh, but for today, just kind of two, two thoughts that, that I want to focus on. And one is that your courage is really an outflow of your prayer. And that's been very fascinating for me to reflect on. I'm, I don't know. I just kind of never really directly made that link between my courage and my prayers or, or my prayer life. And so that's, that's been kind of interesting. But secondly, just this idea of praying 
audacious prayers. I mean, these are, like, these are really audacious prayers. Uh, Jim Collins, in his book, Good to Great, talks about BHAGs, Big, Hairy, Audacious Goals. I tried to figure out a way to kind of work that that one in, but it it just couldn't quite fit. But to just have prayers like this is just so beyond kind of what, what, what's doable. Uh, but first, to just review the story a little bit, verse 23. Uh, when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. So Peter and John had explicitly, explicitly been warned uh, not to preach the gospel. Um, uh, Luke, who, who wrote the, the book of Acts, tells us earlier um, that, that they, they actually had to stand before, and then it names all these groups, the rulers, the elders, the scribes, uh, there was uh, Annas, the high priest was there, Caiaphas, uh, John and Alexander, I don't know who those guys were, I think Caiaphas was, was father-in-law of the high priest, uh, and then all who were of the high priestly family. So this is, like this is everyone, okay, kind of at, at your highest sort of social, religious levels, everyone shows up for this meeting. Um, they were unable to find legal grounds against Peter and John, and, and so they just sent them off with a warning saying, don't preach the gospel anymore. Uh, this is no small thing, all right? Um, these are your leaders. These are your lawyers, uh, scribes. Um, uh, scribes had started off as copying the law, but because they copied it, they knew it very well and almost took on kind of an expert in the law role. All right, so, so these are your lawyers, these are your experts, your religious leaders, your community leaders, that kind of thing. This is city council telling you to stop meeting and shut your mouth. This is, this is uh, city officials, mayors, police officers, whoever's knocking on your house at night saying, like, you need to cut this out or, like, you just need to leave town. Um, you know, this, this is Facebook and Twitter, like, shutting down your accounts because what you're saying is offensive, Right? Or even mainline denomination leaders saying that you're making too many waves, you need, to, you need to calm down a little bit, right? Like, this is way bigger than just an opinion ed piece in the newspaper that says you're all weird. Like, these are people of authority, of influence, who have the power to do something, telling you to, to like, you know, shut your mouth and sit down because you're, you're raising a ruckus. Uh, verse 22, when they heard it, they lifted their voices together uh, to God. Um, we don't know kind of who all they was, uh, whether it was all the disciples or a whole bunch or 20 or 40 or 80. Uh, not really sure. It is interesting, though, that, that their first response is a prayer meeting, a group prayer meeting. Right? They, they didn't consult legal advice. They, they, they didn't do strategies. They said, okay, uh, let's pray about this. Their prayer begins with these words, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, and who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit. So there's a couple things happening in that intro that's really fun. They start off with the phrase Sovereign Lord. Um, The Greek word for sovereign is actually where we get our word despot. Am I saying that right? Despot? Like, you know, a leader who has all power. Um, And... We, we tend to view it negatively, but, I, I mean, they can be good or bad. But, but, but this is someone who has, like, they, it's a leader who can do whatever they want, and no one can do anything about it. And when you're facing trials and persecutions and hardships, 
it's kind of comforting to pray to the God who has all power and can do whatever he wants, and no one can really do anything about it. Like that, kind of rooted in that word of sovereign Lord, that's what's going on there. Uh, They acknowledge him as creator of all things. And then they talk about this message that the Holy Spirit prophetically spoke through David when he recorded Psalm 2. And then they, they read the first part of Psalm 2. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back and read the whole thing to you here real quick. As soon as I get there. Okay, Psalm 2. Uh, they, they quote the, the, the first two verses of this, but, but here's the whole psalm. And you're, you're going to see a lot of terminology talking about um, just nations and nations rebelling against Jesus. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. So that's the kings and the nations rebelling against God, rebelling against Jesus. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, as for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. So this is the Lord speaking about Jesus. As of uh, ask of me, and I will make the nations your, inher- your heritage, the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron, dash them to pieces uh, with a potter's vessel. Now therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear. Rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are those who take refuge in him. A lot in there just on the lordship of Jesus Christ over all the nations. Uh, It seems to talk about nations rebelling against God. Um, But Jesus ultimately has authority over every person, every every nation. Uh, There is a king. He sits on the throne in heaven. And at the end of the day, it is loyalty to him that matters above all else. The other thing, too, just is that, you know, when you don't know how to pray, pray scripture. And a great place to start is the Psalms. Uh, There is such a kaleidoscope of situations and emotions and and things that that the the, the different psalmists are just kind of working through. When you don't know how to pray, turn to Psalms and just start flipping until you find something that works for you. And just start praying that out. And it will, sometimes it just gives you the words that, that you couldn't quite find yourself. Uh, they, they continue on in their prayer. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius, Pilate, and the Gentiles, and the people of Israel, uh, to do whatever your hand, your plan, had predestined to take place. So in this part of, of their prayer, what they do is they make a connection to Psalm 2 that they just quoted and their current situation. So Psalm 2 has all of these leaders and, and, and nations rebelling against Jesus, and then what they do is they link that to their current situations and leaders and nations and people groups who are rebelling against Jesus. Um, and it's, it's actually a really great prayer format to just simply say, here's what Scripture says, and here's the similarity to our situation today. There's, it's, that's kind of what's going on there. 
verse 29, and now, Lord, look upon their threats, and then that's all that's said, look upon their threats, and grant to your servants, that'd be them, to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. I think every commentary I read talked about how remarkable it was that in this prayer, there was no no request for relief from the persecution. They got this one little phrase, look upon their threats, and then right after that, it shifts to give us boldness to continue to proclaim your message. And while, you're procla- and while we're proclaiming your message, for you to continue to heal and do signs and miracles and wonders. No request for to, to, to get out of of the persecution and it's remarkable like like it truly is remarkable right i mean because not only did they not ask for relief i mean they did ask for boldness and then they went even further and they asked for signs and wonders to accompany the the verbal presentation of the gospel and that is that is something that you'll see in scripture and, and that is something i believe that we even see today um where sometimes what will happen is that there is a verbal proclamation of the gospel and then the Holy Spirit will show up and do, quote, signs and wonders. That's kind of Christianese for miracles or healings or that kinds of things. Because what's happening is that the Holy Spirit is validating the message that was just spoken. And so if you're going to do some evangelism, like you should probably be prepared for some other stuff to happen too, right? I mean, we can't force it. We can ask for it. But just know that that sometimes happens. Nothing is said of, of relief of uh, the persecution, nothing is said really of the leaders who just threatened them. All it just says is, Lord, look on that situation. And we ask for boldness for us as you continue to do miracles. Uh, Phillips Brooks writes, Do not pray for easy lives. Pray to be stronger men and women. Do not pray for tasks equal to your power Pray for power equal to your tasks. That's so good. I'm going to read it again. And and I've been reading it for a couple days. Do not pray for easy lives. Pray to be stronger men and women. Do not pray for tasks equal to your powers. Pray for powers equal to your tasks. That is, that really describes well how they prayed. I was thinking on it, though, as well, too. Um, it is really remarkable that they never uh, requested for relief from, from like, the opposition or, or, or the persecution. Like, I, I give them a lot of credit. I think most of us would do that. But the more I thought about it, the more I also thought, you know what? Like, in some ways, like, it's not remarkable. Like, really, they just had a good understanding of reality. Um, if, let me use football as an analogy. And I'm, I'm not very good at sports, guys. I mean, you probably notice I never use them as an analogy because I don't know anything about sports. So, um, but, but football. I can fake my way through a football analogy. All right. Goal of football, as I understand it, last I checked, right? Get the ball down the field, make a touchdown, score some points, win the game. Yes? Okay. And you got the two teams engaging in various strategies to do this, right? And you know... You know that every time the two teams are going to line up, they're going to crash into each other, and then, you know, you try to get the ball down the field. You know that happens 
every single time. Okay, imagine the offensive team. They come back, right? They huddle up. The quarterback, you know, rather than, than giving the play, he's like, I really hope they don't try to tackle us again this time. Like, I was really hoping to avoid that. Like, I mean, just, I, they keep coming at, like, maybe we're doing something wrong. Like, maybe one of them's offended by what you said or by what you're wearing. Like, I don't know, I just really wish they'd leave us alone. Right? No football player says that. Right? Because every football player knows that's the game. You line up, you smash into each other, and you move the ball down the field. Right? I think to a certain extent, when this group met, they recognized that, you know what, like we're in a spiritual conflict. Like time and time again, Scripture talks about life on earth being a conflict, being a struggle, being a battle, be, being full of, uh, of strife and that kind of thing. And sometimes when life is good, we just forget that. Success for them in Acts 4 was boldness to preach the gospel. For them, that's moving the football down the field. And they know that to move the football down the field, like, you're, you're going to crash into the other team. Like, that's just the world we live in. That's the life we live. That In football, that's how the game is played. And so I, I do give them a, a lot of credit for, for not asking for relief from the persecution. I mean, th- that is very remarkable. But yet at the same time, I think they just had incredible awareness that, you know what? This is how things go. And, and this is just how it's going to be. The results, uh, verse 31. Uh, this is amazing. When they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. They were all filled with Holy Spirit. They continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So in response to their prayer, the, the Spirit of God physically shakes the building. Um, really, you know, this is not a second Pentecost. This is just the Holy Spirit... Uh, just showing up in force and doing some amazing things. But the real miracle, though, is that their prayer was answered. Because it says they continued to speak with boldness. That's what they had asked for. That's what they got. And there's even some more amazing things as you continue to read through Acts. Just the, the way to which they were, um, uh, their unity in which they really rallied together. They started selling off possessions and giving to each other. Um, and more signs and wonders were done. It was fantastic. But But their core prayer, Lord of Phyllis with boldness was was answered. So, a couple things, of course. You know, your courage is an outflow of your prayers. Um, I, like I said, honestly, that, that concept is, is kind of new to me. I've just, I've never made such a direct linkage, linkage between need to be, you know, prayer life and courage. And, um, you know, courage looks differently for each of us. I, I, I get that. Um, but you just, like, I mean, it's in the story. Like, we can't deny it. They prayed for courage. They, they, they got courage, and, and they got boldness. Um, and that also will, will look different for everybody, right? Like, we often see Peter doing the public speaking, all right? So for Peter, boldness probably equals more public speaking. We don't really get a lot of stories of the other 11 doing a lot of public speaking, certainly not to the extent that Peter was doing. So for them, boldness probably looked differently. You know, they're doing the one-on-one conversation on the side, or they're praying for so-and-so's arm to be healed, or whatnot, right? I mean, uh, boldness doesn't mean that everyone turned into a really dynamic public speaker. Like, I'm sure this was 
you know, kind of customized for, for each one of them. So it did look differently. As a church, we're rebranding, right? We're, we're moving away from one brand and, and, and moving to Living Hope Church. I think we need to be bold about that. Well, if we're going to be bold about that, then we need to pray about it. Because that's what the story just, just told us. We need to pray for boldness. Strategy, yes, for sure, but also boldness. And secondly, just courage to ask for audacious prayers. Um, you know, e- each church, each denomination kind of has its own, its own vibe, its own culture, its own feel to it. You know, I mean, just, I mean, we know this, right? I mean, you, if you go to a Catholic, you know, church service, you're going to expect something different than if you go to a Pentecostal church service, right? Like, there's just kind of different cultures uh, between churches, denominations, and that kind of thing. In my experience, uh, in Mennonite Brethren, uh, I think that we prefer kind of the humble, low-key approach. I, I think it's kind of tied into our understanding of what does piety look like, what does holiness look like. You know, don't draw a lot of attention to ourselves, because uh, if we're drawing attention to ourselves, you know, then that's vain, and, and, and we should be directing everything to God. Um, I like our humble, low-key approach. I do. Uh, it fits with my personality. I feel more comfortable in that environment. But I think one of the downsides that we need to be careful of is that I think then that coming out of that, I think we are less inclined to pray prayers like this because it feels too flashy. It, it feels too public. It, it feels too um, on display, uh, uh, that kind of thing, right? I mean, like they are begging God for visible, dynamic, lots of attention, lots of public attention, very dramatic miracles and, and proclamation of the gospel. And, I mean, as much as I, I love our, our humility, don't draw attention to yourself kind of culture, I think it means that for us to pray a prayer like this means that we're going to have to get a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, I think these prayers are really kind of currently outside the comfort zone, of our church culture to to engage in in something like this uh for small groups you know we i for for some of the small groups i write up discussion questions based on on the sermon and and you guys discuss them next week one of the questions that that i'm going to include and and i'm excited to hear some feedback on it but recall a time when this church was really unified and rallied around a central prayer like, like, when it comes to prayer, what, what is a, a time in, in the history of this church where it was focused, and where it's the most focused and organized that, that you've seen in our church history? Because I've only been here like six years, and some of you, more. We'll just leave it at that. More. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of fascinated to, to learn just a little bit about that. When, when was this church really... Uh, strong and just asking and asking for for boldness you know in the few years that i've been here i think one of the best examples i've seen um is that when we were praying through neighborhoods and then we would follow up those neighborhoods with a gift and an invite to to come to church i mean we literally just carved out you know part of town and you know and then a couple people who who knew things sat down and were able to write names by most of the addresses and we just prayed through a city map for a few months and then we visited that section of town and said, here's some baking, and we'd love you to come to Easter and have a good morning. Um, 
crisis makes this easy, right? When there is a crisis, one of our first things is to really, that really kind of creates that kind of rallied prayer time. And, and that's good. I mean, there's a leadership saying that says, never waste a good crisis. And <laughs> when you think about it, there's actually some great wisdom in that. Uh, never waste a, a good crisis. But, you know, when things are going smooth, when, when things are going easy, uh, you know, how do you, how do you continue to create that sense of urgency? How, how do you kind of continue to create that, that uh, momentum? And, um, yeah, and, and actually this whole topic has been on my mind for several months now. And so it's, yeah, we'll see. But just to, uh, to reignite kind of some focused, passionate prayer around our boldness in Nebraska and, and what, is, what does that look like? So a simple invitation just coming out of that is just, would you spend some time praying with me th- this next week about what does it mean for us as a church uh, to really kind of reignite some focused, passionate prayer around our boldness in Nebraska? Peter and John uh, just received uh, pretty serious warnings from people of authority and power. Uh, they respond in, in prayer. They quote scripture. They, they link it to their current reality. They never ask for relief, but they do ask for boldness to proclaim. And then they ask for miracles to validate that spoken message. My boldness, your boldness, part of that is, is going to be linked and influenced by our prayers. So we pray for ourselves, we pray for each other, we, we pray for this church for boldness. But secondly, prayer, audacious prayers. Uh, prayers that are really outside our comfort zone uh, when it comes to, to boldness to, to, to speak and have the, the Holy Spirit confirm that uh, in our place. So, And all for the purpose that the gospel of Jesus is proclaimed to all who need to hear it. Let's pray, and then we'll... Uh, sing and we'll be finished this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for um, these stories in Scripture. And Lord, we firmly believe, Lord, so much happened in those early days uh, of the church that your Holy Spirit intentionally inspired that certain stories be included, certain stories be recorded. Lord, that we can learn from them, that, that we can use them to inform how we do church, how we do mission, how we pray, and, and how we pray for boldness. And so this morning, Lord, we ask for boldness. We ask for boldness to, to proclaim your message. We ask for it individually, kind of whatever that, that looks like, uh, within kind of how you've designed each one of us, but also corporately as a church. But also, Lord, what does it look like for us to pray audacious prayers? For us to rally around that central cause, that, that central purpose, and to pray into it. And to pray prayers that, uh, frankly, make us a little bit uncomfortable. Prayers where, boy, you know, if this actually happens, uh, I'm, I'm not entirely sure how I would handle that. Lord, may we have the faith and the courage to pray these kinds of prayers. We love you, Jesus. We are so very thankful. In your name, amen. Thanks so much for listening to this week's sermon. We hope you were enriched and encouraged. If you have questions about Christ or church or would like more information, visit our website at hendersonmbchurch.com or email me directly at luke at hendersonmbchurch.com. We hope you have a fantastic week. Take care and God bless.